You've tuned into Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that the messages provide an atmosphere for growth and grace in your relationship with Christ and an opportunity for you to gather together in community, whether online or in person. Now let's go into the message. To go ahead and turn to someone who's already got a mask beside you, and I want you to say these words to them. Ready? Say, mind your business. Say it again. Mind your business. Father, bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Tell them one more time, mind your business. You've been waiting to tell somebody that all week long. The theme for this year at Growth Point um, isn't something that rhymes with 2022. The theme for this year isn't something that rhymes, something that's catchy. It's not go bold in 2022. It's nothing like deucing it in 2022. Um, the me I need in 2022. Anything that rhymes or anything that's catchy to remember. Um, our theme for this year at the church is built different. And even though some of you might be new to this particular ministry or new to the church and you've never come here before, we're approaching our seventh year as a church and as a family. To God be the glory for all the things that he's done in the last almost seven years. And uh, first Sunday in April will be our seventh year. And this year, under that theme that we have built different, we have four pillars that we're focusing on this year um, to be foundationally spiritual. We want to be structurally solid, intentionally missional, internally strong, and financially literate. Those are the areas that we want to be focused on this year. And, of course, I laid all this stuff out in December, and it's already available on YouTube and all that type of stuff. And we'll have it on our website, and we'll make sure that it's in other places that are visible for everybody to be able to see. So I want to make sure that it's not just something that's there. But I said that because this series that I've been in right now, the series that I'm teaching from um, is really focusing on some of those core values, some of those pillars about being financially or excuse me, about being foundationally spiritual, structurally solid and internally strong. Those are the three areas that this particular series is really uh, talking about. And I say that because casting vision is inspiring. But if we're not foundationally, structurally and internally healthy, then the vision is just an idea that's quickly forgotten and discarded. So this is the year that I want to make sure that this theme is more than just an idea, but it's a movement that begins in each one of us. And all of you who are here present and those of you who are live streamed, I want to make sure that this is the year that we are built different. Can you holler that out right now? We're going to be built different. Let's say it one more time. We're going to be built different. Now, I want to say this, Dr. Nance, that when I was growing up, um, there, was there was a clearly defined difference between the roles of adult and children. It's when I was growing up, Mama Joanne. Not everybody has that story, but, um, but when I was growing up, there was a difference in clearly defined roles of who were the adults and who were the children. There were no blurred lines. Uh, we knew who the adults were. And the adults knew who the children were. Um, there were expected responses that you were supposed to have. 
and there were also um, supposed spaces that children were allowed to be in. Uh, and then there were areas that were strictly for adults. Now, I understand that we're in a time that we've all grown up differently and um, everyone has a different experience in parenting and how you raise your children. And some of you all have been raised differently where your parents were your friends and your best buddy and your TikTok friend and all that type of stuff. But when I was growing up, um, Beth, children were not allowed to sit at the table of adults. I was growing up, not you, but when I was growing up, um, if it was your family, you could sit at the table, you could talk and all that type of stuff. But if there was company or there was a family um, event that was going on, children were not allowed to sit at the table of adults. Um, anybody else experience that? Good. I want to make sure I wasn't the minority. Um, you bet not sit at the table. And I know that's incorrect English, but you bet not sit at that table. There were clearly marked tables for children. Oftentimes, those were the card tables that they pulled out when they played spades. No, saints don't play spades as I was growing up. Saints don't play spades. So y'all don't know anything about trash talking or any of that type of stuff. You play Uno. But the card table will come out for children and they would sit at that table. And uh, that's where you were, or sometimes you would have the little, if the, you had a little child in the table, in the, in the house, and they had a little table, your teenage self would sit at that little bitty table that was marked for their child because there was a table that they had. And you better not complain about it. And this was where it really got interesting because when the adults were having a conversation and a child had the audacity to butt into the commentary, the child had the audacity to kind of butt into the conversation and say stuff like, who y'all talking about? Y'all talking about that one? <laughs> yeah, because you know the other day and all of a sudden, if you still had your larynx, if you still had your mouth, if you were not on the floor, usually, usually the whole table would turn and say, who are you talking to? Use the table, I'm not, not just the parent, the whole, the whole table will respond and say, who, who are you talking to? And they would say, mind your business. And they, would say, and they would say, stay in a child's place. Anybody experience that? I'm the only one. And if you weren't slapped, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not promoting violence, I'm not promoting it all, it's just how I was raised. But you were not able to participate in conversation even if you knew what they were talking about. Because you had to understand that you were the child and they were the parent and they were not to be mixed. You were not their friend. And if you heard a conversation, you were supposed to sit there and act as if you did not hear anything and were not buttoned up. But there are sometimes now we do have people that participate in the conversation and sometimes children grow up before they need to grow up because they know stuff they're not supposed to know. And we share things that they're not supposed to know. And all of a sudden they start, we have conversations about people to them. And then when you know that you and the child have been talking about them, it's because when they see that adult, the child treats them like you privately talk about them. I have learned in my life as a pastor and even times I can always tell when the child has been taught when the parent has always been talking about me or my family to their children because I can tell based on how the children treat me. You can always tell what conversation is going on based on how they treat you. 
But when I was growing up, a child stayed in a child's place. Someone say, stay in a child's place. Stay in a child's place. And it wasn't that they were trying to keep you from things. It was just some things that you didn't understand. And there were some things that were not for you. And there are some things that right now in my 41-year-old self, almost 42, there are some things in my life I wish I was still a child. I wish that the bills didn't come in my name. I wish that they did not call me. I wish, you know, we were doing the tier and year challenge and someone sent me a DM the other day and they said, 10 years, this is our real 10 year challenge. I still got student loans and they still ain't paid. That's a real 10 year challenge. <laughs> Here in this particular text, we have Nehemiah. We're introduced to Nehemiah in a story that many of you all might not be familiar with, but. Nehemiah was serving in a high position of authority in the government as the king's cupbearer. Um, the cupbearer was the one who would drink whatever was handed to the king before the king got it to make sure there was nothing poisonous. So Nehemiah would put himself in the line of danger just to make sure that the king was taken care of. He was highly respected for who he was and for what he did. And Nehemiah was a servant to the king, but his heritage was connected to the Jewish people. He was a servant, but he was connected to his people in his homeland in Jerusalem. He was a servant to the highest office, but his lineage was not connected to his policy. In the book of Josephus, um, it said that Nehemiah was outside taking a walk. And as he was taking a walk, he overheard a conversation of some people talking about what had gone on in Jerusalem. Jerusalem being the place that he was from, being his hometown. And he started to ask them. He came down from where he was and he asked them what exactly was going on. And they started to tell him that the walls had been torn down in Jerusalem and that there was destruction. And the people were being exposed to danger and the city was in great desolation and Nehemiah was in a position that could have caused him to not be concerned about it because there are some people that when they elevate they are no longer concerned about the people who are where they were but Nehemiah was not in the place that he was not concerned about his home he was in a position that even though he was not there what he heard concerned him what he heard bothered him and he felt that this was his business and he felt like this was something that he should do something about because this is where he was from so in essence Nehemiah was saying I'm concerned about this thing because this thing concerns me because this thing is close to me this thing is close to me because this thing is from my home and what I want to say to many of us that if you're going to mind your business in order for you to really mind your business you can only mind your business first if it concerns you you have to ask yourself as you write down blessed are those who take notes for they shall see the kingdom of God you have to ask yourself how does this concern me because I want to caution you because if what you're doing is not personal it will never be purposeful if what it is that you're doing and what you're attached to, if it's not personal, it will never have any purpose to it. If you're in an area of service that doesn't have any personal concern to you or any connections, it will eventually dissolve. 
And you will find out that it dissolves because it is never personal to you. But this thing that happened to Nehemiah, this thing that he heard was personal. And he couldn't assign it to anyone else. He couldn't say that it was anyone else's problem. He couldn't say that it was anyone else's issue. He couldn't say that it was anyone else's class, anyone else's ministry, anyone else's group. He took this thing personal. And I want to say that to many of us today as I open this up today, that if it does not resonate in your heart, if it's not personal to you, it will never ever have a true personal, a true purpose that resonates with you. If it's not something that really comes from you, it will never flow from you. And there are many people who are doing things and operating in roles and functionalities that is not personal. And if it's not something that affects your home, but when it's something that affects your people, when it's something that affects your friends, when it's something, you know, there's something about, um, uh, we used to grow up when I was growing up and we would say, you could talk about anybody you wanted to, but my mama. You can say anything you want to say about me. You can call me anything. But when you talk about my mama, that's when people would get tears in their eyes. That's when people's fists would ball up and you were getting ready to have a fight. And that's what it means when it's something personal, when it's something that is really affecting your community, when it's something that is affecting your sanity, when it's affecting your mindset, when it's affecting your peace, when it's affecting your finances, when, it, when it's affecting your peace of mind, it hits differently. Is there anybody who's experienced that? When it's, it's one thing for you to hear about death somewhere else. It's one thing for you to hear about trauma and something somewhere else. But when it hits your household, it hits differently. And all of a sudden, you're looking at it, you're saying, now this thing is personal. I want somebody to holler out and say, this thing is personal. And that's what Nehemiah was taking on. He said, this thing is personal. This thing has hit my homeland. This thing concerns me. And in this season, in this time right now, I have a word for all of us that God is really asking you, when is the last time you did something that was personal? When is the last time that you ministered from a spot that was personal? When is the last time you helped somebody and it was personal to you? It wasn't just so you could check it off the list. It wasn't just so you could post it, but it was personal to you. I won't even ask you even more. When is the last time you worshiped God from a personal place? When he wasn't the God that you heard about, he wasn't a figment of your imagination. He wasn't something that you heard on YouTube. It wasn't something that you just figured you'd do because it's Sunday. But when is the last time you were driving down the road and tears flowed down your face because you started thinking about who God was in your life? Not what you heard about him, not what you read about him, not what somebody blogged about him, but you started thinking about who God was in your life and how you didn't even deserve the mercy that you have. You didn't even deserve the grace that you have. You don't even deserve the forgiveness that you have you don't even deserve for him to be so faithful to you when we are so faithless you don't deserve for him to forgive you because we don't forgive people you don't deserve for him to wake you up every morning when you know what you did on Saturday night you don't even deserve to lift up your hands there's no reason that you should be here there's no reason that you should have survived some of the atmospheres that you've been in some of the moments that we put ourselves in some of the sinful acts that we did intentionally not accidentally 
continually, but he keeps giving us brand new mercy. When is the last time that your hands went up? Not because of a worship team, not because of an organ, not because of a drunk track, but when you thought of the goodness of Jesus for yourself, and you said, it's his breath in my lungs, so I'll pour out my praise to him. When is the last time it was personal to you to the point where tears streamed down your face when you said, forget about these lashes, forget about somebody looking at me, forget about this hair, forget about people thinking I'm crazy. I almost lost my mind. That's why I was almost crazy, but he kept my mind. He believed, he believed in me when I didn't believe in myself, when nobody else was there, God was there. When is the last time God meant something personal? When worship caused me to wake up and pray, not because it was 21 days of prayer, not because I needed a bill paid, not because I needed him to heal me of cancer, not because I needed him to forgive me of something, but I worship him just because he's God. It's personal to you when you have a personal relationship. Nehemiah said, this thing is personal. I can't wait for anybody else to do it. Someone said, I can't wait. I can't wait for somebody else to take care of it. I can't wait for somebody else to step in. I can't wait for somebody else to help my child. I can't wait for somebody else to help my nephew. I can't wait for somebody else to pray for my niece. I can't wait for somebody else to do it. I got to do it myself. And there comes a season in your life where you can't wait on nobody else. Matter of fact, I remember a time when I was in college when I didn't have a car. And the worst thing I hated to do was wait on somebody else. But I've got my own car now. I don't have to wait on nobody else. And there comes a time when you got to get your own transportation. I'm not talking about a car. I'm talking about get your own praise. I'm talking about get your own prayer. I'm talking about get your own life. You can't depend on everybody all the time because some people are flaky all the time. But God is never flaky. He is always the same. And I need somebody that I don't have to convince to do something for me because right now it's personal. personal somebody texted me this week somebody said something earlier they said pastor morale's been preaching like he's mad i ain't mad at nobody it's personal it comes a point in your life that you don't have time to deal with seasonal people i want you to state your attention right now state your attention for those of you who are dating that's the first thing you need to do when you go out with somebody the first thing you say is not do you have the bill. State your intention. Because if you plan to sleep with me, it ain't going to happen. So let's go ahead and let's just establish that thing right here, right now. This thing is closed for business. So your best business is to mind your business and get another piece because you ain't getting this piece because I'm protecting my peace. This thing is personal. Someone holler out, this thing is personal. This is personal to me. What it means is Lexington is personal to me. What it means is Growth Point is personal to me. What it means is your children are personal to me. I just started a church so everybody can walk around and call me Pastor Mario. I don't need you to call me nothing. My name is Mario Jamil Radford. And whether you call me anything or put anything before that, he called me. And the reason that I do this, you know you're called to something when the... When, when, help me you know you're called to something is when you have to preach in season and out of season you preach when people like it you preach when people don't like it you preach when the church is full you preach when the church is not full you preach when you broke and you're preaching about money that you need yourself you preach in all season because this thing ain't about an instagram post this thing is personal someone say it's personal i gotta learn how to cast my own demons out before i cast yours out
So this thing was personal to Nehemiah. And I'm looking for some people that will start to take some things personal. Where you start to say something's got to be done. And I'm not waiting on nobody else. This thing is personal. So when Nehemiah heard about what was going on in his homeland, Nehemiah didn't just hear about it. Nehemiah sat down and he wept. He cried about this thing because it was personal. Because it affected his people. When you know somebody who's going through and they connected to you, it's personal. When is the last time you cried over somebody else's storm? Nehemiah said, I'm liberated, yeah, but my people ain't liberated. Nehemiah said, I'm free, but my people ain't free. Nehemiah said, I got a job, but my people don't have one. I'm free, I'm in a better place, but my people ain't free. You know you're not selfish when you get where you get, but you start thinking about who you can help get where you are. You know you're not selfish when you get an opportunity and you're trying to figure out who else can you bring in the room. When you get an opportunity, you're trying to figure out who else can you help. That it's not just about you getting a raise. You're like, now how can I help somebody else? How can I be a blessing to somebody else? Because I don't even deserve to be in the rooms that I'm in. So I'm trying to find out how can I get Pookie them in here too? How can I get them in? I know they're still working on some stuff. But how can I get them in here? Because I want all of my family to win. Somebody say, I want everybody to win. Jesus, have mercy. Preach, black man. I'm trying to do the best I can. It's a person. It's personal to him. As long as people weren't liberated, he took personal responsibility for this. You know it's personal when you want everybody to win. So he said, this is my business. It was the first chapter. The second chapter, Nehemiah, he ends and says, I was the king's cupbearer to remind himself of his position. Nehemiah said, let me go to the king. He goes to the king, and as he's there, Nehemiah tries to operate normal. He tries to operate like he would normally would and try to serve as he normally would. He tried to greet everybody the same way he normally would greet, tried to do all the pleasantries of operating in protocol, tried to do everything. But I'm going to tell you, when you've been affected by something, it's hard for you to act normal. When you've seen something, when you've been impacted by something, when something concerns you that doesn't seem to concern anybody else, it's hard to unsee a thing. It's hard to unhear what you've heard. It's hard to be unimpacted by something that has infected your life. Is there anybody who can agree with that? It's hard for me to unfront. It's hard for me to be unaffected when I have found out that you can't be trusted. It's hard for me to just operate the same way. So when he was trying to operate the same way, the king looked at him. He said, something's wrong, Nehemiah. You're not operating like you normally do. And the king says to him, he said, what's wrong? He said, did something happen? And Nehemiah responded. He said, he said, he said, it's hard for me for my countenance not to be sad when my homeland is in ruins it's hard for me to operate in normal protocol and procedures when the walls of Jerusalem have been torn down and I just want to say this that that it's really one thing for my stuff to be destroyed but when my family or when God's stuff is destroyed it affects me in a different way when I see that the walls that once protected the people are down and people are exposed and people are believing all types of lies and his heresies and erroneous doctrines and things, it affects me in a certain way. And it's hard for me right now, maybe it's my 40s, I don't know, but it's hard for me to play like everything is okay when everything ain't okay. When I was in my 20s, I did fake good. 
When I was in my 30s, I did fake good, but in my 40s, I ain't got a lot of time, and I don't have time to play no games. Is there anybody else like that? I'm at a place right now that if it affects me, it affects me, and if you don't like my face, don't look at it. It's hard for me to make excuses when something's not okay. Someone says it's not okay. Someone posted it the other day, and I think it was maybe yesterday, someone posted on Facebook, and they were talking about, and I'm going to paraphrase what they said, and I'm not connected to them personally, um, and they said something to me, and when they said it to me, they said, I don't respond to everybody's Facebook post, but I felt compelled to this, because they said, they said, I'm tired of people saying that something's wrong with me because I'm mad at God because he took my best friend, and I'm tired of everybody sending me all these scriptures. And trying to tell me to repent like something's wrong with me. As if I did something wrong. I'm just having a moment. I believe God, but I'm mad. And I responded and I said, if God can handle Martha's emotions for being mad because he wasn't there when her brother Lazarus had died. God can handle your emotions. He can handle your concerns. And God is not nervous. God can handle it all. And everybody start responding because I didn't respond with scripture. I responded with truth. And sometimes you got to stop talking so religious and tell somebody, this thing hurts me right now. I love God, but I'm mad that he took my friend. I'm mad that he took my daddy. I'm mad that he took my mom. I understand that God has never left me, but I wish he wouldn't have done it like that. Sometimes the truth is it hurts. Sometimes the truth is someone disappointed me. I don't believe that he's left me this far, but right now I do feel like I am lonely. Right now I do feel like I'm confused, and I don't feel like saying hallelujah right now or bless his name, even though I do believe in his name. Someone say that's the truth. And it's hard to play like everything's cool when it ain't cool. It's hard to worship sometimes when you're broken. It's hard to lift your hands sometimes when you're in the midst of warfare. It's sometimes hard to get on your knees and pray and you don't even have the words to say and you're doing it more out of formality because you know that's what you're supposed to do but you don't even feel like the words that are coming out of your mouth are even being heard. Is there anybody under the sound of my boy who has ever been in a season where you go into church but you don't feel like nothing's changing and everything is getting worse instead of better? I wish I had a real somebody in the church who would say, I believe God, but it seemed like it's getting worse. The truth is I shouted, but it didn't change. The truth is I had a praise break and nothing fell off my life. I did it all, but I have not seen change at all. I'm in 2022, but it still feels like 2019. It still feels like 2020. It still feels like 2021. And I want to give God another chance, but our history has shown me that it doesn't seem like it's changing. Nia said, it's hard for me to front. It's hard for me to act like I'm cool and I'm fine. It's hard for me to act like this is cool and I'm, as my wife would say, I'm hee-hee and ha-ha and in your face. And I don't even like you. It's hard for me to play when you show me who you are. It's hard for me to give you another chance and I've given you ten. 
It's hard for me to believe you and say you're going to get it right the first time and the last nine times you haven't. It's hard for me to operate like this. When you know that God's stuff has been trampled, it's really hard. But the king responds and says, what do you need? He doesn't excuse Nehemiah's concern. The king comes into, someone say, partnership. <laughs> king comes into partnership with Nehemiah. Why? Because when it's your business, it convicts you. It convicted the king because it concerned Nehemiah. I wish I had more friends that were convicted by things that were concerning me. It convicted the king because he was connected to Nehemiah. When is the last time you had someone convicted by what concerned you? Now, when you think of the word conviction, sometimes we think of the word like you're, uh, I'm convicted of my sin. We're not talking about that. I'm talking about it moved you. It moved you to the point where you say, what can I do? What can I do to help? It was concerned. It convicted him. He said, the king was basically saying, I'm in a position of authority to grant you your help. Historians say, according to historians, they say that the queen who was sitting by the king was Esther. And the reason that the king moved the way he did was because Esther was equally concerned about Jerusalem, which represented Jews, because she was also standing in the gap for her people at one time. There's something about telling your story to someone who used to fight for what you fight for. There's something about sharing your issue or sharing your concern with somebody who's been a teenage mother before. It's something about sharing your concern with somebody who's been broke like you before. It's something about sharing your concern to someone who's gone through church hurt before. But it's really hard to convince somebody who ain't never gone through nothing about something when they've never walked in your shoes. But when you talk to somebody who has walked in your shoes before, they say, child, girl, let me tell you something. Trouble don't last always and when they've gone through it themselves they have a conviction that rises up in them they say I might be older now but in my young days girl I know what it's like in my young in my young days guy I know what it's like I know what it's like to go through that and I've been there before but and now it convicts me and now I'm in a position to do something about it when someone's been where you are when someone's been there before it convicts them a burden a desire comes up in them to invest in your work. The king asked Nehemiah, this is what's important. The king asked Nehemiah, Miles, he said, how long will you need? And how long will you be gone? But the Sterling, I don't want you to miss this part because Nehemiah had a specific answer. He had a certain time frame. That's the part that I don't want you to skip over because sometimes when God grants us access, we underestimate how long it's going to take. And based on the concern of our heart, we start to operate and we start to think that the door of access is going to be open forever. You have a window of access. You have a window of access that God has given you. God has put something on your heart and he gives you a window of access. Access is never permanent. 
So when the king who was in authority asked him, how long will you have? He said, how long do you have? Because you don't always have a window of time available. I want to say this as I said on New Year's Eve. Whatever God tells you to do, do it now. We have friends. I have people that I'm connected to all over the world. I was talking to you all. I meant to tell you all earlier. Uh, we're praying for Pastor Melinda there, a vision, of, a vision of holiness there in Danville. She preached here in December, and she was talking about how last January in 2021, her dad died suddenly, and she had to, she had to resume the, the, the realms of the reins of the church, and she became pastor because her dad transitioned without any warning. She came here and preached this December about that, and she was telling you all about her sister and how we were praying for her, her sister had been in the hospital for a while with just Monday her sister died suddenly last year her daddy died this year her, her her sister died suddenly in the midst of all of this thing she didn't even didn't know what's gonna happen all these types of things and she's going through her family's going through but she's learning what we've learned and what I'm learning her sister was 46 years old and what I'm learning in my time and what I'm learning right now is whatever God tells you to do do it now Tomorrow is not promised. Don't, if you're waiting on approval, you're never going to get it. If you're waiting on people to believe in you, believe in yourself. And say, I'm going to do this thing if this is the last thing I do. Someone say, do it now. So that's what he was saying to Nehemiah. How long will it take? Because you don't always have this window. The reason that he asked that is because this is why it was important. Because the king asked about Nehemiah because Nehemiah, hold on, I don't want to miss this. Nehemiah was assigned to the king. Don't miss this. I'm trying to build this. Nehemiah was assigned to him, but he was granting him permission to go there. Say it again. His assignment was to be the cupbearer. And even though Nehemiah had a pull and he had a concern at home, his assignment didn't change. I don't want you to miss that. Nehemiah was assigned to the king, but he was given permission to go back home. Now, I want to say that because I'm praying, Matt, that I would ask the Lord that he would teach us how to know that just because we're pulled over here and just because we're pulled over there doesn't mean we drop our assignment over here. There will be seasons that God will pull you here. And God will pull you there. But that doesn't mean drop your assignment here. Nehemiah's assignment was to be a cupbearer. So God sometimes will give you a dexterity, a purpose. He will allow you to be assigned in different things where you'll be skilled here, you'll be skilled there, you'll be skilled everywhere, here, feather, here, there, everywhere. You'll be skilled everywhere. But he has also assigned you to a specific location. And many of us pray to be used. But many of us don't understand that faithfulness in assignment is just as, is just as important as fruitfulness in the field. Say it one more time. Faithfulness in your assignment is just as important as fruitfulness in the field. I don't want to be so successful in the streets and be a failure at home. God, you cannot abandon your assignment, your station, just because you're pulled in all different directions. 
Nehemiah had an assignment that was to be the king's cupbearer, even though he was granted permission to do everything else. And why am I saying this? The reason I'm saying this, Brother Caesar, is that many of us, myself included, as a new pastor, a younger pastor of a new church, sometimes we have a ministry in church that we don't talk about, and it's called the sock drawer ministry. The sock drawer ministry is that you pull off something because it doesn't fit you. So we put on socks just like we pull them off. And we just pull them off. And when I'm through with it, I take it off. When I don't want to do it anymore, I don't take it off. I do the what? And we don't teach about faithfulness anymore. We used to have something called stewardship month. Well, we would just talk about being faithful. You see how, how quiet it got in this new age, sanctified Episcopalian church? When you start talking about your boo and saving your peace, girl, you better say that. Talking good. All right now. But when you talk about faith, who are he talking to? Faithfulness. It's a word that will make you slap somebody. Faithful. Faithful. I don't know about it. My daddy wasn't faithful. My mama wasn't faithful. I ain't going to be faithful. But God is calling for faithfulness. What does it mean to be faithful? It means that no matter what, you will always find me here. No matter what, you will always find me on my spot and on my position. There are many people in my life, when I look back over my life, I look back at some of the older saints and the other mothers and the older men of the church, and I always found them in their spot, faithful. They didn't have a lot of things, but you found them faithful, faithful in prayer, faithful in worship, faithful working on the church. And I'm, 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 I'm concerned about this particular church, that we look good, but you can't always be found. I mean, we look good. I mean, we are the best-looking church I have ever seen. I mean, your lashes reach me wherever you are. I can feel them fluttering on my right cheek. We look good. But when somebody needs you, you can't be found. When you got a need, we can be found. But when somebody needs you and needs your service and stuff, you can't be found. But God is asking for faithfulness. Someone say be faithful. You will be fruitful if you can be faithful. Fruit does not get planted and does not, it does not grow the next day. I was, I was reading something the other day and it was talking about a particular tree and it says that you had, to, you had to water it faithfully every single day for almost five to seven years before it grew. And they said, if you stop watering it between five to seven days, you would have to start all over again because consistency is what was going to cause it to grow. They said, but after five to seven years, all of a sudden it will grow 50 inches per day. Some of y'all have been in dirt so long that you don't see that God is growing you, but because it's so dirty around you, you think that you're not growing. But I'm trying to tell you, if you stay in the dirt long enough, God will grow you, but you've got to stay there long enough because God can speak to you in your dirty mess. Somebody say, preach, boy, I'm trying to do the best I can. But you got to be faithful. You can't run because you're going through something. 
You can't run because somebody showed you themselves. Child, live long enough. Everybody can't be trusted at some point. You can't, you can't, you can't give up right now because somebody decided to sleep with your man. Girl ain't the last one who wants your man. You got to learn how to be faithful until. Stay there. Someone say stay there. Don't jump up from the church because you don't like this message. Come back next Sunday. I'll do better. Because we got the bunny hop ministry now. Every time something doesn't work, I'm going to hop over here. This relationship don't work, I'll hop over here. They don't let me sing the worship team, I'll hop over here. If they don't license me, I'll hop over here. And what happens is God can't bless you because you hop so much. The Bible says I bless, the, I bless where you are, but I can't find you because you keep hopping. I can't give you peace because you keep hopping. You ask for peace, but I try to give you peace, but I couldn't find you to give you peace because when it got hard, you hopped out of it. But I was going to bless you in the midst of your storm, but you left it. Someone say be faithful. I got to get out of here. I hope I'm not boring you. Nehemiah had a plan. Nehemiah had a plan. Nehemiah had a plan. When Nehemiah got to the city, he didn't just jump in. When Nehemiah got to the city, he assessed it. When Nehemiah got there, he assessed to see how bad the damage was. Now, this is what's really important. Dr. Ness, uh, Nehemiah didn't go there making an announcement. and He didn't say, I'm what y'all need. Nehemiah didn't go there saying, what y'all been waiting on, I'm finally here. No, when Nehemiah got there, he started walking around. Let me see how bad this damage is. Let me see what's really going to be needed. And that's important because don't give me what you assume I need. It's nothing worse than trying to help somebody and you don't know them. And nothing worse. What bothers me so much, and I'm not having to rant, Jason, grab the microphone if it sounds like it, but what bothers me, these old head preachers who want to get up and talk to these young guys and tell them, pull up your pants and put a belt on your waist and, and walk around as a respectable man. You can't correct somebody you don't love. My daddy hadn't been in my life for all of my life. So you grab the microphone and because you grab a microphone and they call you pastor, you think you can correct me because you got a microphone. Child, you don't know me. You have no right to correct someone you don't first love. Don't tell the lesbian to change their ways and when they change them, you can't be found. A lot of us want to tell people what they think. If it was my child, it ain't. And if it was my marriage, you were single. If I was the pastor, you don't pray. Everybody wants to say what they would do if, you, if they were you. But you should tell people, you couldn't last two seconds in my shoes. You couldn't last a day if you knew my real story. Baby, this is makeup. You see my glory, but child, you don't know my story. Because girl, in, a, in my day, I would knock you out by now. You don't know this is the church me. You don't know the hood me. You don't know my story for real. Can't tell people what you think they need. You can't tell me what you think I'm supposed to have or what it's like for me to raise my children and you have none. 
Girl, I wouldn't put up with that. You can't put up with nothing. You are broke. I'm talking to you about a business plan and you don't even have a job. Lord Jesus, am I helping anybody? Like, somebody go get my children. Somebody take me out of here. Somebody, I didn't take my medicine today. I do apologize. But I'm learning, Eugene. I am tired. Maybe y'all are tired too. Maybe that's why I'm talking about it. Stop accepting advice from people who have no investment to give. You have an opinion about everything but your life. Nehemiah said, let me find out what this damage is first. What's going on in this city? What's happening in this city? What do I need to do before I assume what they need? Let me find out what they need. Let me lighten up real quick because y'all need to laugh because many of y'all are really upset right now. So let me make you laugh. Joel Osteen does it, so I feel it worked for me. So there was a story of this man. My son has the basketball games. That's why he had to leave. It's not my sermon. That's not why he left. So I want y'all to know that Pastor's child and his wife left. He ain't on it today. No, they had, he has a game. Mind your business. People be making up stuff, so I just got to hear that. I've been preaching long enough. I know y'all ninjas. All right. So let me laugh, y'all, and then we're going to get out of here. Brother Justin, go ahead and put me in the key E flat because they need me to hoop today. So. But there was a story of this man, this woman, this woman, rather, her husband had died. Her husband, was, I was just playing, Justin. He's going to do it. I was just playing. <laughs> I was just playing. That's why so obedient. God bless you. Bless you. Somebody cash app him today. Anyhow, so this woman's husband had died, and he was a priest. Her husband died, and this man, uh, her husband died. He was a priest, and um, good guy died. Um, they lived in New York in the winter. This other guy um, had flown, taken a flight from New York to Florida because he goes to Florida when it's cold. So the next day after the woman's husband had died, the man got to Florida and he said he was going to email his wife when he got there, but he forgot his wife's email address. So when he emailed who he thought was his wife, he actually emailed the widow. The widow opened up her email, didn't think she had an email. She opened up her email and screamed and fainted on the floor. When her son came into the room, the son looked at the screen and the message on the screen says, hey, I wanted to let you know I arrived. It sure is hot down here. I can't wait to see you tomorrow. Some of y'all get that 2023. Nehemiah, <laughs> I just want to help you all for a minute. Nehemiah had to learn how to pay attention to details. That's what assessment does. It helps you pay attention to details because sometimes you can mean good, but you wind up causing more hurt because you made an assumption and you did no research. But when this season, God is asking us to survey what's needed before you just jump in. Abraham did the same thing. God told Abraham for him to go into a land. But Abraham assumed it meant taking people with him. And when he made an assumption, he wound up taking his cousin named Lot. And what happened was when he took his cousin Lot, sometimes taking people who don't belong become a lot. I can deal with my stuff, but dealing with your stuff is sometimes a lot. And sometimes what God told me, he didn't tell you. 
And sometimes we bring in people because we're close to them and because we love them and because we like them. But let me tell you, in this season, you better protect your space because I can handle me, but I can't handle a lot. There are some things I can't have. Someone say, I can't handle a lot. I can't handle a lot. And that's what happened. Nehemiah was protecting what was concerned to him. But what happens is, I'm almost through here. Verse 17, he gave them a report. I've already read it for you. He said, the, the land is in a bad place. The walls are coming down. And the response, and, the, and he, he said, he said, I told them how God was supporting me. He gave this report. But the people responded and said, we're with you. Let's get started. And that's why it's important. Because the people, uh, even though, God didn't bring other people with him earlier. God did people, God did bring people with him later. I want to tell you, just because God removed some things doesn't mean God won't add something else. Just because God exposes some people are not for you doesn't mean God won't give you people that are for you. God will give people for you. Someone say, God will give me what I need. Because what happens is the people responded and they said, we're with you. And not only did they say we're with you, they say we're here to do something about it. Because when it's your business, not only does it concern you, not only does it convict you, but it will compel you. These people who heard it, they were excited about what they heard. And they wanted to respond. And they didn't respond just in talk because talk is cheap. But work is expensive. Talk is cheap, but work is expensive. Someone say to be with me is expensive. In this season, what God is calling, he's asking you, can you move from cheap talk to expensive work? Nehemiah said, I got some work to do, and it's expensive. The walls are torn down. People are exposed. People are going through, and we got a lot of work to do. It's expensive. Someone said, we got a lot of work to do. There are people that are needing help, and we got things to do. He said, and they said, well, all right, we're here to help. We're going to roll up our sleeves. To roll up our sleeves means we're, gonna, we're not afraid of getting dirty. I'm not afraid of getting in there. It reminds me of Moses. And when Moses was in battle, it says that every time Moses' hands went up, the people won. But when Moses' hands went down, it says that the people were losing. So Aaron and Hur saw what Moses was doing, and they said, we got to keep this man's hands up. Because as long as this man's hands up, that means he's going to win. And I want God to send people to you in this season that will keep you up. I want God to send people in your life right now who will hold you up. I want everybody to just open your hands right now and say, I receive people right now. I receive people that will help me and not hurt me. Say that out loud. I receive people that will help me and not hurt me. God wants to send people that will bear you up, not drain you. God wants to send people that are not going to be on your payroll, but that are going to fund your vision. God wants to send people who are speaking your name in rooms that you haven't even been in. People that are talking about you, not bad about you, but saying, I know you got me in here, but who really needs to be in here is so-and-so and so-and-so right now. God is going to send you people that will hold you up. Yeah. Got to finish here, verse 19. What happened, I would have ended there, but when Sembalat, the enemy, Sembalat and Tobiah and all these other people heard it, they said, what do you think you're doing? You think you can do all this stuff and you think God's really going to help you do this? It's a whole lot of work. But he responded. He shot back. He said, the God of heaven will make sure we succeed. I want somebody to holler out, I'm going to succeed. Say it again, I'm going to succeed. And I want you in this season. When I say this season, I don't care how long this season is. I'm not talking about January, February, March, April. I'm talking about however long it lasts. Stop worrying about what they said. Stop worrying about who said it. Matter of fact, stop listening to the person who told you about it. 
Because if somebody brought news to you, that means they're bringing the same news to somebody else that you say. Woo, Jesus. If you thought less of me enough to tell me what somebody else said, then that means you might be participating in the conversation when I'm not around. So he said, I'm not concerned about you, Tobiah. I'm not concerned about you, Sam Ballard. I'm not concerned about you. He said, God's going to help me succeed. Why? Because if it's my business, he called me to it. And I want to ask, is there anybody right now who can say I got a call on my life? And the only reason I'm here, I'm through, I'm through. The only reason I'm here right now is because he called me. It's not because I was trying to start a business. It's not because I thought I was better than anybody else. It's not because I thought I was greater than anybody else. But he called me. And that's one thing. Concern is one thing. Being compelled is one thing. Being convicted is one thing. But when he called me, no devil in hell can stop me because he called me. Somebody said, I got a call on my life. Say it again, I got a call on my life. When you got a call on your life, he will give you resources. When you have a call on your life, he'll open doors that will close to somebody else. When you have a call on your life, he will wake you up in the middle of the night. When you have a call on your life, he'll cause you to be creative in the most strange time. Somebody say, I got a call on my life. Bible says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he called me. I got a call on my life. He did it. Scripture says over in Jeremiah that before he formed me in my mother's womb, he called me. I'm catching up with the call because he called me before I even knew I was called. Before he even knew, before I knew him, he had already called me. Before where I was, come here, guy right here in the red, I don't know who you are. Come here real quick. I know your name. I like your hair. I want to use you. What's your name? Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Before Jordan got here, God had already called him. Before Jordan knew I was going to call him, I'd already made up my mind I was going to call him. Jordan's only response to what I did was to come towards the call. God didn't say, Jordan, are you perfect? Jordan, are you holy? Jordan, are you right? Jordan, have you done everything right? The, the decision was made when Jordan sat in the seat that at some point in the message, I'm going to call him forward. And I want to tell some of y'all, y'all sitting here thinking that you got to be perfect to be called. No, all you got to do is come towards me. Walk when he calls you. I'm not here because, matter of fact, he didn't know me. And I don't know him. All I know is his hair. I know nothing about him. But I don't have to know you to use you. When I want you, I call you. Somebody say he wants me. Thank you. Somebody say he wants me. You don't have to like it, but he wants me. You don't have to like me, but he wants me. You don't have to be my friend, but he wants me. And when he wants me, I'm walking forward. When he wants me, I'm coming forward. Somebody say he wants me. He wants me. He wants me. He wants me. And when he's called me, you can't do a thing about it. Come forward with your red hair. Come forward with your weed smelling self. Some of y'all say, well, I'm still smoking. Oh, he'll give you a high that will blow your mind every time. 
And you laughing, but you're sitting there high yourself. That's why you're laughing. Got the munchies, and you don't want nobody even know it. Sitting here thinking about food while you're sitting here. You can't speak in tongues because you're thinking about a snack. But I'm trying to give you the bread of heaven so you will never fall no more. Somebody say, he called me. Munchies and all. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm through. what I want you to know if you get nothing else in this message forget about the munchy part if you don't get nothing else if you're gonna do something this year let it be personal like if it don't concern you don't get involved in it like if it don't convict you if it don't compel you if if he ain't called you don't do it because what you're gonna do is wind up messing up somebody but there's a season right now that God is calling you and he's calling you because he wants you. He wants you just like you are. He's not wanting you to be me. He don't want you to be anybody else. He wants you just like that. Thank you for your prayers and generous support that grant us the opportunity to do ministry. Now, this connection doesn't have to end here. Visit our website and engage with our social platforms. Comment, review, screenshot, and share your growth with others. And until next time, keep growing.